Hey, everybody, and welcome again to Radius Conversations. I'm your host, Brian Kirkland, and again, joining me in the studio at Radius Church is Todd Carnes. Hey, everybody. All right, so so this is part two of our series on sex ed. Last time in episode one, we really talked around the world of ideas, and specifically the ideas that the world has whenever it comes to the topic of sexual ethics Everything from looking at sex as just this biological drive, which is akin to eating and sleeping. If you're hungry, you eat something. If you're tired, you take a nap or you go to bed. And the the core idea is that, hey, just don't let this thing get away from you too much. But whenever you've got this need going on inside of you, you take care of it. That would apply to sexual in the sexual realm as well. If you are aroused, then you find some way to get some sort of release, whether that be through pornography, whether that be through casual sex, friends with benefits, or some other fashion. But you don't let that get away from you. That's one way that the world looks at it. Another way that the world has looked at it is that society has repressed all of us and that if we want to really find ourselves and create our identity, then what you do is you cut it loose and uh, and that leads to to all sorts of all sorts of craziness for because uh, again we just we don't need to trust ourselves right but nevertheless that's what uh, one of the things that the, the the world is teaching us that's one of those messages out there now over and against all of that is the christian worldview which says that sex is for oneness sex is for procreation and sex is for recreation. And all this is a gift from God and that God is for sex and in its right context, it can be a beautiful thing and really a taste of heaven. So that was last episode. If you want the uh, the long version of it, go back and listen to it if you haven't already. So on this episode, we're going to kind of build on that platform and just look at, okay, now we talked about the world of ideas. Now let's shifted to the world of current events and what's really driving a lot of while we're having this conversation in the first place. So Todd, I'll throw it to you. Talk us through what you're seeing. Yeah. And certainly when I think about this, the whole reason we're here is because ideas have real consequences. And most people can't get from ideas to consequences. Like the, I think Marx and Lenin, when they were sitting around dreaming up socialistic ideas, that they didn't they didn't see that was going to get millions of people murdered. They had this economic theory, and and in the seventies, eighties, nineties, when we were we were separating sex from the idea of oneness and procreation and marriage, and and making it this this animalistic thing that everybody participates in for fun. Nobody could do the analytics and think clear enough to project out to twenty twenty one when the genie is fully out of the bottle when. When it has been cut loose, I think about all these people who keep these wild, exotic animals, and almost all the time, the animals wind up eating them. Mm-hmm. And it's like anybody who's thinking can look 20, 30 years down the road and go, you're going to make a mistake, and that chimpanzee's going to rip your face off and bite your fingers off just for fun. <clears throat> Happens more often than not. And, and in the sexual realm, we're, we're kind of there. We have reached this place in 2021 where just... Let me read off a few things that are that are happening. Um, just in the last several months, twice, right here in Lexington County, we have uh, I've seen public announcements of individuals arrested for a crime called buggery, which is a legal term for bestiality, which is a term that means sex with an animal. Uh, the The whole idea of transgender identity 
has taken the world by storm in the last decade. I filled out a form at my doctor's office the other day, and they asked me, uh, no longer male or female, they asked me for my sex at birth and my gender identity in two different boxes, and I had all kinds of options there. As a matter of fact, a a lady named Abigail Schreier, who's got an incredible amount of courage, uh, has pointed out that the transgender movement amongst young teenage girls has exploded by 100,000% in the last decade. Wow. 100,000%. It used to be 0.002% identify girls, young girls identify as boys. Now it's it's 2%. You can do the math. She said that, um, you know, that, that the way this is trending is it's trending in groups and it is running roughshod through young ladies. Historically, is has really been kind of held. You've had guys who felt transgender, cross-dressed, things like that. It's really passed over the young female population until recently. Um, the, the NCAA recently came out and said that they're in full support of transgender athletes and that any uh, man who wants to identify as a female can certainly uh, participate that way or vice versa uh, as long as they take some some uh, testosterone or estrogen, mm. both of which uh, are horrible for the body and cause all kinds of negative repercussions. They went so far as to say they were going to boycott states who held any other position, and our own South Carolina state legislature was trying to to look at bills that would protect women's sports by not allowing biological males in them, and they couldn't get it through here in South Carolina. Um, So it just goes on and on and on with some of the craziness. Last night, I couldn't believe it. I read about a man, obviously separated, and his young daughter began to identify as male. His uh, school never alerted him to it because they will not alert you to it. it. He's in Canada. And he only saw it when it was in a yearbook, and and his daughter was now going by he and him. And he began to take that on, and he was recently sentenced to six months in prison for violence because now, supposedly, speech is violence. And that's just to our north. That is not in communist China. Right. So uh, he so he referred to her as a as a she. He ref, right. he refused to change her pronouns. Right. Okay. Gotcha. And yep. she was. They were already giving her hormone blockers mm-hmm. and testosterone, and even none here, of what she knew. Yeah. Had because no idea. Yep. No idea because mm-hmm. because there's this uh, gender affirming theory that's in counseling now in 19 states in the United States of America. If you're a licensed practical practicing counselor. Uh, and you do not affirm a teenager's thoughts of their transgender identity, and rather you try to convert them out of that, there's a good chance you're going to lose your license. Mm-hmm. That's deemed as conversion therapy. Conversion therapy, yep. and it used to be just from trying to convince children that had gender dysphoria that they that they were not homosexual. Now mm-hmm. it's, it's jumped to like you you can't identify as the other gender and it's something that would cause you to lose your license. They have to totally affirm that. And not only that, a lot of times these kids, they're allowing them to take these uh, puberty blockers uh, mm-hmm. and some of the testosterone and things of that nature that is clinically proven to harm the brain, to mm-hmm. be a carcinogen. Yep. That when young ladies take testosterone more than five years, they 
uh, do a prophylactic hysterectomy because mm-hmm. they're almost assuredly going to have some kind of uterine cancer. Yep. Uh, it's just the craziest thing in the world because that the genie's out of the bottle. Yeah, and these are decisions that 14-year-olds are making that, uh, again, the, from a body standpoint, these con- the consequences, the, the damage that's going on in their body, it, it's irreversible at, yeah. at this point. Yep. Yeah, that's the, the name of the book. Actually, I would recommend it. It's called Irreversible Damage uh, by Abigail Schreier. And she's just a, uh, I don't think she's a believer. I, I don't know. Uh, she's a, uh, a very intelligent, Ivy League educated uh, reporter. She began to take this on the transgender craze, seducing our daughters, because she just saw so much irreversible damage. She saw mm-hmm. so many young ladies who had, who had taken testosterone and now they're sterile. Yeah, and, we're, and at this point, we're not talking about Bruce Jenner switching to Caitlyn. No. <laughs> uh, we're, we're talking about a 12-year-old who may be getting some cheerleading from an online community. Somebody's out there saying, hey, this is a, this is a good thing, and this is kind of a cool thing, and maybe you should try it. Then they try it, and they have these devastating consequences that, you know, this chemical castration to, right. to, to, to bodies. And then all of a sudden, they get to be 25, and they realize, you know what? I wasn't real smart when I was fifteen, right? And they they have these regrets, but but they're kind of stuck with the with the with the consequences. And more and more, right here in the United States of America, mm-hmm. um, parents are being shut out of the equation. Right, counselors are being told that that when a child has gender dysphoria, which is a real deal, and maybe you can you know when you bring in a counselor, you can talk about that later. It's a real deal, but seventy or eighty percent of of teenage kids who have some level of gender dysphoria, some kind of uh, touchy time right there that they grow out of it. Mm-hmm. And, but if you take them during that vulnerable time, separate them from their parents, chemically sterilize them, uh, retard their brain development through yep. these things. It's, I mean, it's, it is insane. Yeah. And it's happening right here in the United States of America when big organizations like the NCAA and people of that nature, major league baseball, when all those people jump in and threaten economic consequences, who's going to stand up for the 14-year-old girls and go, well, we don't care about the economic consequences. Like, there's a time to do what's right mm-hmm. just because it's right. Yeah. And, and, and again, uh, so we're talking current events right now, but let me, let me take it back to what's the core idea where a lot of this is coming from. And one of the, one of the sexual worldviews out there is that uh, society has repressed us and in, in that it's a big deal. Uh, and the best of deals to create your own identity. And, 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 and that's where you're going to find your true self. That's where you're going to discover your true self. Now, that, is, that, that, that line of thinking is wrought with all sorts of flaws. Uh, the, first of all, uh, the, the idea that we are going to find the truth within ourselves, which, like, I think 90-something percent, uh, a stat I read, it said the best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself. 91% of the U.S. population affirmed that statement is true. 76% of practicing Christians say the best way to find yourself is looking within yourself. Uh, you see this in uh, the, from whether it's pop culture, music. I just jotted down some lyrics from a, a little show that Disney put together called Frozen, uh, which everybody knows uh, the, the 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 lyrics everybody knows the tune to let it go and if you if you've got a a daughter then you've heard this song over and over and over again the lyrics to let it go say this it's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through 
no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. That's the, that's the general idea of I'm going to discover my true self from within uh, rather than have some sort of outside influence say, no, uh, this is who you are. And when we talk about, from a Christian standpoint, what that outside influence is, is well, we would say it's the Bible. We would say it's uh, our creator. It's the, it's the Lord that says, no, I define male, I define female, and that's a good thing. And I have rules and parameters through which life will go well for you if you live within these rules. That's, that's, just, that's just general wisdom. Uh, God gets to write the book and the owner's manual on how life goes, but we want to find it within ourselves, and everybody's buying into it. Uh, uh, again, 91% of U.S. adults buy into it. 76% of practicing Christians are buying into it. So, uh, so, so Todd, back to you. The, the, whatever you think about, uh, the, let's, let's, just, let's take, uh, we, we talked a lot about transgender and transgender females, uh, what, whenever I, I think about identity, I think more what's driving this, it's, it's less about sex and more about identity. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so take that thought and, and articulate that. Where, where is that coming from? Uh, uh, how, how do we, how do we, how do we uh, deal with it compassionately? How do we, how do we battle that argument in the right ways? <clears throat> yeah, it's, uh, it's certainly an identity issue and that's, that, that goes to the heart of the matter. And, and that's the reason why you find this explosion amongst uh, young teenage girls, okay. primarily, mm-hmm. because that's when they're trying to find their identity, and it's a very fragile time. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult time mm-hmm. that there, there's a uh, a psychological vulnerability that has been exploited to the max mm-hmm. through social media, yep. through being turned on 24-7 and mm-hmm. always aware of what everybody in the world's thinking about you and how brutal that can be. And in the context of all that, it's easy to have your identity just kind of shredded and chewed up. Mm-hmm. And then you're kind of left out on this island and you're you're just looking for some place of identity, some place of acceptance. Mm-hmm. And then the the movement the transgender movement is very very strong in recruitment online okay and so there is all kinds of information out there to to plant these seeds and Abigail Schreier's point is is that these things are happening in groups like seventy mm-hmm. percent of all these young ladies who come out they have a friend who just came out as transgender like it they call it a contagion because it, it's running in groups because in that moment of vulnerability, you can absorb this new and novel identity. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you have a strong identity, you have a strong group. And right now you have the applause of the vast majority of the United States of America. And so now you're, you're esteemed and held up and you found some path to fix that vulnerable feeling of being left out. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that, that path is a very deceptive one. It's generally very short-lived, but if the adults in the room don't protect you, uh, then, yeah, you wake up in your 20s and you're you're questioning what you did when you were 15, mm-hmm. and you've lost some of the most precious things in life. And there are lots of videos out on YouTube about young ladies who transitioned, some of them transitioned just socially. That means they just took the identity. Some of them transitioned 
chemically. It means they took the testosterone. Some of them transitioned uh, through surgery. And okay, they removed like their breasts. They removed yeah. their breasts. They tried to change their genitalia, which is impossible. And now they just got lifelong difficult repercussions of that. And it's because the, the adults abdicated. Yeah, and, and here's the thing with that. Like, I think back to whenever I was 15 years old and what was important to me and what mattered. And even whenever I was a 20-year-old, I could look back at my 15-year-old self and go, yeah, I was an idiot. I was, yeah. I, was, I was a knucklehead. I really didn't know what was important, what mattered. Now, you know, of course, you know, when, as a thirty-year-old looking back at my twenty-year-old self, I'd say the same thing. I'd say, "Oh, you know what? I, I really wasn't as wise as I thought I was." And right. then now I'm forty-five, and I look back at my thirty-year-old self, and I'm like, "You know what, Brian? You uh, you really didn't know as much as you think you did." And I'm sure if I live long enough, uh, I'm, I'm going to be looking at myself right now and go, ah, you know what, Brian, you, you really you, you didn't have it all together at 45 either. And so the, the problem, again, the, the, the scariest part of all this is whenever you're trying to find your identity yourself, that wherever you're at, uh, you, you're, you're going to be, uh, all these things that are going on inside of you, it really, it, a lot of times they change on the day. I'm, mm. you're, you're confused about who you are day by day and season by season and and and, and so you it, it's really a uh, we give ourselves way too much credit to actually feel like we can define ourselves and we can find ourselves in this way but again you've got a 15 year old doing this and then you've got the government saying no the parents can't speak into this right. or else we're going to arrest them and put them in jail for six months for calling their biological female daughter a she right and you and you got you know where where does that kind of thinking come from over the course of Ten years. I mean, mm-hmm. that's all it's been. Yep. And and I want to just trace that back to the seed because again, like you and I, I, I love the realm of ideas. You do as well. Like ideas have real consequences, mm-hmm. and I think we can trace this back. And again, the analogy of of these people who who have a young chimpanzee in their house and they think it's always going to go fine till the day that that it just rips their face off just for sheer pleasure. Um, the sexual drives and, and perversions that are happening in our society uh, go back to this idea of God is a prude, his ideas are outdated, he he doesn't know what he's talking about when he's talking about oneness in sex, and sex is something to be enjoyed as a physical act. I mean, what's the harm in that? Mm-hmm. And so in the 70s, when people were thinking, what's the harm in that? They're just thinking, oh, we're just going to sleep around a lot and have free love and Smoke some dope. It's going to be great. Like, we're going to enjoy it. You yeah, know, and it doesn't hurt anybody else. Yeah, just, I mean, yeah. you know, everybody's consenting adults. Like, it'll be fine. Like, mm-hmm. what's, what's the deal? And, and that's that was the idea that was planted. The idea was planted was, was the Christian idea about sex is false. It should be free. But they, they were, anytime you dethrone God like that, you just become really stupid. They say, like, you can't compartmentalize stupid in your mind. And so when you, let a physical desire trump the the obvious designs of God, then that that ignorance begins to pervade all of life. And once we did that, I mean, when you dethrone God, 99 times out of 100, you enthrone your sex drive. Mm-hmm. You enthrone two things, your desire for power and your desire to conquer through sex. And once it gets enthroned, well, it doesn't get off the throne very easy. Mm-hmm. It, it likes to stay on the throne. Yeah. And it's never satisfied with just Woodstock smoking some dope and sleeping around. Like it's not satisfied there. So it 
it has to move forward. Mm-hmm. And we've watched it over 40 or 50 years move forward through violence towards women, through demeaning, um, demeaning of women all through society. Mm-hmm. Then it moved forward to rape culture with yeah. date rape drugs and things of that nature. Then it moved right into pornography, which is primarily violent. And then it moved into homosexual pornography. And then it moved into all types of perversion in pornography. And now it's driving like transgender identity issues. And it's driving something we used to call female uh, genital mutilation. Now we call it freedom, which is the destroying of young ladies' bodies and young men. And so you you can't make this thing a God. And when it becomes a God, it becomes a horrible, horrible God because the this core idea that if it's natural, you can do it, and, and this deal about finding truth inside yourself, mm-hmm. I've looked inside myself. Like, the truth is not in there. That's right. <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> nobody, nobody wants me to, to live out all my internal desires. That's you right. know, I would that's be right. the worst person in the world. Yeah, we are all disordered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, that's right. I spent my life trying to replace mm-hmm. my, my evil desires with... Holy desires, right. honorable desires. Mm-hmm. I would call them dishonorable and honorable. And that's a, you know, anybody who's honorable is honorable because they have overcome dishonorable desires inside of them. That's right. It's easy to be dishonorable. You just do what's natural. Mm-hmm. Nobody's like born honorable and have to fight to be dishonorable. If you that's just right. do what's natural, you'll be dishonorable. That's right. And that's the reason we honor honorable people because we know there was an internal struggle that got them there mm-hmm. and and kicking it back to you you know we we've said that the sexual desire is so strong it, it is this crazy strong thing and when you use it as a servant in your marriage bed mm-hmm. it will serve you well for decades That's and right. take you places that porn stars can't even dream about mm-hmm. but when you make it a master oh it's hitler it's stalin it's paul pot it it is the worst thing in the world. Yeah, and, and, and that, that really gets to the heart and the nature of sin uh, in general. Sin is typically not this awful thing that, um, that that's out there. It's generally a, a good gift from God that gets put in a spot that it was never supposed to be in. And so sex, uh, sex is not the sin. Uh, sex is actually a really good gift from God. But when you take sex and you put it as ultimate and you put it as supreme and it goes on the throne instead of God then it will crush you and it will kill you. Mm-hmm. And, and again, the, we have an enemy who wants to kill and to steal and to destroy, and, and he's really good at it. And right. sex is, uh, is right now, the, the enemy has eaten our lunch in the sexual realm. Uh, you, you talk about the world of pornography, and uh, I was looking at a couple of statistics. Uh, I saw that 60 million Americans have some sort of uh, pornography subscription, and so that's about one-fifth of the U.S. population, about three, 325 million. So that's roughly a fifth of the country are paying for pornography. That's, that's, that doesn't include the free stuff, right, that right. you just kind of click on. It's out there. This is paid pornography. Uh, there was a study that was done when they were ranking potential immoral activities out there. Pornography actually did make the list right below recycling. <laughs> or not recycling. Not recycling was uh, was uh, was considered a bigger societal ill 
then the the use of pornography and again that gets to the heart of oh well you know what they're just they're doing you know, people shouldn't criticize other people's life choices they're consenting adults they, they're consenting they adults uh, people can believe whatever they want as long as it doesn't uh, affect society the the reality is it's affecting society in massive ways uh, the the pornography industry whenever you think about the uh, I heard a, a stand up comedian he was talking about his addiction to pornography and he talked about how the only way he could have an orgasm was through this. He called it the perfect porn cocktail uh, because his sex drive had been so uh, rewired and, 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 and really, really got, got more and more bored. And so it had to be the, the right mix of pornography in order for him to even uh, achieve arousal and have an orgasm. And so you end up with a, you know, I'll, I'll talk to the couples who have been, married for a year and their husbands are impotent. Yeah. And I jumping in on that, the, uh, remember years ago when I was doing honor Academy, it was the demise of guys. And that guy said that, that when young men get really, really addicted to pornography, that really the, it does rewire their brains. Mm-hmm. It changes their brains physically like that of, of those who are taking hard drugs and, and takes them straight to pleasure center. And he said, the only thing that we found to really pull these young men out is impotency. And so a lot of these young men become impotent in their 20s mm-hmm. and can't be aroused, can't reach orgasm uh, because they have physically changed their brain and how they view sex. And it, and it has to be so new and so novel that, you know, if you can watch it on the Internet, pretty soon there is nothing new and novel. And they shut down. And he was talking about they were they're actually, I think it was in Italy, that they were pulling these young men aside and they had to detox for six, nine months mm-hmm. to just try and get back to normal mm-hmm. sexual function. Right. And so when, when the people were, and again, it's like people can't think when they, when they're first producing pornography and going, well, these are just consenting adults. Like, like let them do what they want to do. They couldn't mm-hmm. see 30 years down the road when our young men were going to be functionally impotent in their 20s. They couldn't see 40 years down the road when the rape culture was going to be so prolific that all our young girls are going to be raped by guys who had been just inundated with tens of thousands of hours of pornography. Mm-hmm. Heck, even in the drug scene, when <clears throat> when all the hippies are smoking dope and going, hey, man, it comes from the ground, like they couldn't, they couldn't forecast 40 years down the road when scientists could take the THC levels and multiply it by 100% mm-hmm. and feed it to all our 15-year-olds and retard the development of their brain. Like, ideas have consequences, and when people can't, you know, when people are, when they are slaves of their own desires and mm-hmm. it's all just about what I desire and they lose all sight of what's honorable, they plant seeds that literally destroy our youth our sons, our daughters, 30, 40, 30 or 40 years down the road. Mm-hmm. And if we, as the church, if we don't hold the line, if we don't humbly but correctly and courageously with compassion hold the line and continue to call out these kinds of mm-hmm. lies, then 30, 40 years from now, then the truth is gone and that's on us. That's right. We didn't preserve it. That's right. And, and we're not, we don't care about the NCAA's sanctions. We care about, you know, my daughter's played collegiate sports. You know, I care about girls' sports. I, I care more about the truth than I do about that. And, and it's going to get hard. Mm-hmm. It's already hard. 
Yep. I mean, what do you do if you're a counselor and you get threat? You're in California and you can't tell an obviously disturbed 15-year-old who comes in and is a girl and says she's a boy or, or in some other realm. You, you can't lead her the way you would like. Mm-hmm. Do you give up your livelihood? I mean, the right. day's coming where it's going to s- slide over into the medical realm and mm-hmm. doctor's licenses are going to be threatened. That's right. So this is the counseling realm. This is the medical realm. It's coming. It'll be, uh, it'll be the pastoral realm in terms of officiating ceremonies and, uh, and not just saying, okay, well, I, I'm, I'm going to opt out. This, is, uh, this violates my, my conscience to, to do this. No, if, if, you, uh, if you say, no, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to do this ceremony, then... You could wind up with, with handcuffs on Christian schools. That's I right. Mean, just yep. you know the, the ideas of freedom, and it is this idea that that we're we're not we're not people who take up battle, but there's been a shift in our society now that says speech is violence. There there are hate speech laws on the books in almost every country in the world. We're one of the few that doesn't have them. But it's coming, and mm-hmm. when somebody labels speech as violence, then they can take any stance that you have and bring criminal charges against you because your speech is violence, <clears throat> just like this dad calling his daughter she in Canada. Like, mm-hmm. that is insane, but it's only a 1,000 miles from here. That's right. And so I don't, I don't have the answers to that other than we need to— we need to find our courage. We need to educate ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I'm not fighting for me per se, but I am fighting for the generation that comes behind me, and I refuse to allow them to be fed millions of lies without one voice calling out the truth and just saying, I humbly submit to you, all those are lies, mm-hmm. and let me tell you why. Yeah, and and recognize that uh, you're going to have a lot of people out there that are going to say, "No, Todd, no, Brian, you're on the wrong side of history on mm-hmm. this one," and, uh, and 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 we compassionately and with lots and lots of love and lots of hospitality uh, refute these arguments. And and again, the 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 more uh, I guess the farther this thing gets down the line, uh, whenever you're just talking about it in Elsa frozen terms, it's time to, to to see what I can do. I'm free. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. Again, that's a kid song. That's a Disney musical song. Um, but whenever you take that to its logical end and go, okay, uh, let's 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 play that out uh, when a man is having sex uh, with an animal, and because that's where that line takes you. Right. And, and so whenever you take these ideas to their logical means, uh, and the farther and farther uh, this thing gets, uh, I, I think hopefully it'll be easier and easier to articulate the the ugliness and the brokenness of, of where this line of thinking will take you. That's what I was <clears throat> saying earlier. Is like I, our truth is going to get stronger and stronger as sex as master gets more and more extreme. Mm-hmm. And, and as I'm sitting here talking, it's easy to talk about the extremes that we, we've got because because it's all new. The right. transgender movement's relatively new. I mean, the, the homosexual movement's certainly not new. It's been around forever. But the idea of homosexual marriage, um, mm-hmm. gay marriage, that. That came around in like 13 or 14. I mean, it's only six or seven years old. Yeah, and at one point that was the extreme. That was the extreme. That, that was the extreme in 2012 when um, Obama 
held to a traditional marriage line because he couldn't get elected mm-hmm. if he would have embraced gay marriage in 2012. Yeah, Bill Clinton with the Defense of Marriage Act. Right. And yeah. so, you know, as that was as late as then, you couldn't articulate that. Now, what are we? I mean, we're just nine years later. You, you could never be elected if you tried a defense of marriage, try a defense of traditional marriage. So, so those things are new, but but I want to say to people that that are either identify as transgender, maybe they're a gay couple that's married, anywhere in the LGBTQ movement. Like it's not, we're not specifically talking just to those people. We're talking about this idea that that the sex drive, when it when it becomes master and not slave in the heterosexual realm that's right. with people who just uh, bring all kind of perversions in the in the heterosexual realm and in other realms, like it, it's all equivalent. It's all a, an enthroning of this sexual drive, and it leads everybody to places of pain. Mm-hmm. And the Christian sexual ethic is just saying, yeah, there's about seventy five different ways to to express this, but there's one way to express it which will take you to an ultimate place of oneness, acceptance, reproduction, family. There's only one path for that, mm-hmm. and that path is the greatest path. And let's face it, some people are not inclined towards that path. Some people are inclined towards other paths. Maybe very early in life, some people are inclined towards other paths because of all the pornography they've ingested or all kinds of different different reasons, certainly, mm-hmm. It's easier for some people to go down that path than others. I will readily admit that. I don't have any problems with that. Nevertheless, you know, I mean, it's easier for some people to to keep their bodies healthier than others. Like it's everything's not fair in that scenario, but a healthy body is the best body and a healthy sex life in the context of one man, one woman in marriage is the best. And so we just calling and encouraging people to strive for that because once once that just becomes one flavor out of 75, mm-hmm. then sex is God and we're all slaves and our teenage boys and girls are suffering for it. Yeah, I, I hope you guys are, are, are hearing the heart behind that point right there. That's a big deal because, again, we're not just picking on the transgender movement or same-sex attraction or things like that. If, if I was talking to uh, a transgender person, and they say, Brian, why are you, why are you, uh, why are you picking on me? Why are you calling me disordered? I would say, Look, I'm I'm disordered too. Uh, if, if if you were to know the the the, the brokenness uh, inside me and uh, the and it, it doesn't play out in a in a transgender way, uh, it, it you know it's uh, you know there's, there's there's plenty of heterosexual deviancies out there, tons and tons of them, right? And so we're not just picking on the transgender movement, not just calling out same-sex attraction. Uh, the reality is that in the sexual realm, there is a whole host uh, of things that uh, are not ordered by God and not designed by God to, to, be, uh, to be fruitful and beneficial. Uh, but there is a better way out there. And if you're looking for this inside yourself, uh, you're not going to find it. You're, you're not going to find... Uh, sexual fulfillment within yourself. Uh, you're not going to find your identity within yourself. Uh, you have a God who has made you and made you beautifully 
and wonderfully, uh, you were made in the image of God. And that means that all people, whether you're trans, uh, gay, straight, rich, poor, black, white, whatever, uh, you, you are, are uh, made with the image of God and you are, uh, have inherent worth and inherent dignity. So I, I want to affirm all that and recognize with a lot of love that this is a confusing topic and it just gets more and more confusing. I really have a lot of compassion, particularly for our young folks out there, because yeah. it's hard enough as adults to sort through all this. Uh, but I want uh, the, the people out there that are listening that may feel like Todd and I are just these grumpy old men who are saying, oh, the, the, your society's gone by the wayside. Uh, no, uh, we just want to point you to a better way. Yeah, and I, I have I have dealt with lots of people with same-sex attraction, people that were in the gay lifestyle, even people who were in the trans lifestyle before it was called trans, right. um, uh, when, when it was uh, cross-dressing. Yeah. And things of that nature. People who were married, who were cross-dressers, I, I've I've dealt with those, and never, uh, you know, we don't come from a position of power. We come mm-hmm. from a position of humility, uh, calling out and saying there is a better way. And I, I have real compassion for those people. The same mm-hmm. way I have compassion for people that are not sexually confused, but sexually deviant in the heterosexual realm. Mm-hmm. Deviant in the sense of of just prolifically immoral. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have compassion for those people because they are they are shorting themselves and they are taking themselves down a road that is not leading to the best life. Because let's face it, I mean, going back to the reproduction idea, like they, there's only there, there's this relationship between a man and his wife that's reproductive. Mm-hmm. Um, only heterosexual uh, relationships are reproductive, and a man and his wife when they're reproductive, they they create these children and they have this ability to build this family. Like that's mm-hmm. that's ultimately what I want for everybody. I mean, not everybody wants that for themselves, but but I want that because that is a beautiful gift of God, and I want people to go down that path. But but I readily acknowledge the struggles that are there, mm-hmm. but at the same time. Everybody's got their sinful struggles. I mean, we take it out of the sexual realm. That's right. Everybody's got some real difficult, sinful structures that they can either ultimately enthrone and go, well, I tried I tried to overcome you know, my anger. I tried to overcome my lack of self-control in the appetite realm. I've tried to overcome X. You just fill in the blank. I tried mm-hmm. to overcome my my narcissistic tendencies towards power, my love of money. I tried to overcome it, but, man, at the end of the day, it's just who I am. And, like, I'm never going to be happy unless I just let that desire be what it is, which is very strong in my life. Mm-hmm. And at that point, all those desires take you to this horrific place That's in right. life. And, yep. and if they were there from the beginning, I uh, I identify with the fight and uh, the sanctification, the 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 goodness in life comes in the fight. Like you never give up. You fight that thing. And then if you bow down to Jesus Christ and you get cleansed, you look forward to the day when you die and he crucifies it and he buries that narcissism. He buries that appetite. He buries the, those evil desires never to be seen again. Yeah. Like that's rest. That's right. Yeah, it's real rest. Uh, not just from the the, 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 the bad things we do, uh, but even the good things we do for the wrong reasons. Right. So, uh, so again, whenever we, when you when you start looking yourself, uh, again, you're going to realize, hey, even the good stuff I do 
half the time I'm doing it out of the wrong motivation. So, so again, it can be pretty crushing when, when you look inside yourself. Uh, but again, there is a better way out there. Um, I, I think we should probably wrap up our time for this particular podcast. Uh, there will be more coming out. And so just segue, if you're wondering, and you, you know, it's been great to hear from Brian. It's been great to hear from Todd. But I would like to hear a female voice on this perspective. Uh, stay tuned, okay? So I'll get that as a little teaser. Uh, next podcast coming up, uh, we will have some ladies in the room. And and so, uh, women, you're, you're not just going to hear guys talk about this. We're going to hear. And, and fellas, you're not going to hear just men talk about it. Uh, you can hear this from a women's perspective on sex and culture, uh, what's going on, uh, how do we respond in biblical and winsome ways. Again, in the meantime, all the best to you guys out there listening, and keep fighting culture. Oh, Todd, Todd's raising his hand. He's got he's got one more closing thought. Close, closing remark. I get one last, you get one the last, last word. shot. And, yep. and again, the, the big idea is sex is our servant. And as a servant, it can bring oneness. It brings children it brings great joy. It brings esteem. It brings identity. When it is in its role, it is beautiful. But when it gets out of the role of servant and becomes a master, initially everybody plays with it as though they can tame it, as though it's like a puppy dog. But eventually it becomes a lion. And it not only affects that individual, it affects all of society. And it ultimately begins to destroy our children, primarily, we've talked multiple ways, by sterilizing them, hmm. making young men impotent, destroying young, young ladies through chemical castration. It, it ultimately brings destruction as a master. And so we're just pleading in our society, take it off the throne and put it back in its rightful servant role. That's great. This has been... Radius Conversations.